two farts, Performers Happiness in the Arts podcast that's meant to gas up musical theater performers as they pursue a long career on the stage. We bring flatulent happiness to ourselves and to each other through integrity, authenticity, love, and of course, humor. All guests on this podcast are out to help musical theater performers. And while we do it, ah, we may laugh at the simple things like the word penis. Penis. musical theater performers what is up coming to you live with the ben bogan who is an alumni with broadway's frozen i love saying alumni that sounded so do, do is alumni the term i don't even know yeah i don't know what else you would call it a show a veteran of the show I don't... The, yes yes the veteran alumni uh, yes, the Frozen fam. Uh, first of all, Ben, thank you so much for agreeing to come on to talk about your journey. Yeah, of course. This is Absolutely. just such a joy. I love talking about heartwarming, positive stories, especially with the shitstorm that's going on in the world. Uh, if you guys are catching this, please write live down below. Or, or I love Ben. Always love giving the love during these things. And I'm hearing some weird cooking. I'm going to just see. Oh yeah, it's still there. Weird. Okay. So we're gonna have some weird random cooking that we don't Okay, I'm gonna try to close some things from my computer. In the meantime, Ben, I would like for you to take the helm. We're gonna go straight into your passion for not your passion, your journey from when you finished school. So you so say what school you graduated from if you did high school or if not if not that if you did high school and straight into it and just go and then I just get to interact and be inspired so just be yourself thanks <laughs> sure yeah yeah um I I was I missed a little bit of what you were saying there was just like some some static I wasn't sure if it was is that on my end or am I okay I was actually commenting on that it's so funny you said that I was saying that um I'm hearing like. Eh, 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 something going on am i is it better now or is it still consistent for you um i don't know or are you hearing any from me or is it okay for me i it's great on this end it's okay. great you're like perfect over here perfect yeah because i popped on as your number one fan ben i popped on to say to watch but i think i too many on one circuit so there's pop so i as soon as i signed off i heard you guys were good hi i love you hey. hi hi ryan <laughs> Um, you know, they know each other. That might be that might be why I know Ben. Whatever, yeah, whatever. Um, well, whatever. you know, I mean, Ryan was Ryan was there when I uh, got my equity card at Pittsburgh CLO, actually. So, really? um, yeah. Oh, How far out was Pittsburgh CLO from you finishing school? I was um, I was going into my senior year of college uh, at the University of Michigan, um, and I. Weirdly enough, in my first my first job, my first equity job, I was cast in a as a principal track. I was cast as Roberts and I in Mary Poppins, um, who's like sort of the bumbly. He's like the bumbly, silly, awkward butler who like drops everything and has that like witty banter with the maid, and then like he like the whole kitchen falls apart. And then, CLO. What was this at Pittsburgh CLO? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so like I was so I I, I was like. I'm, I was like 21 at the time. Um, wow. wow. So it was like, it was like Aaron Dilly as Mrs. Banks. Um, and Sue Chella played the, the, the like maid that I like always have my scenes with. And she was like Patty Lapone's original understudy in Evita in the seventies. Um, and me. <laughs> 
And so I remember, um, I remember being just like so nervous and so excited that I was like, oh my God, I, I'm like playing a role. Like not only am I finally booking my first summer stock, am I finally getting my like equity card, but I, I like, I get to be a part. I get to have lines. I get to be funny. Um, so that was like, that was so special. I mean, it, it was really challenging because in those Pittsburgh CLO scenarios, you, you know, you're a college student. So you just want to be like easy to work with, happy to be there. And they, they stage the show in six days. And so it's quite, um, it's quite stressful. I mean, I, I didn't feel like I had a lot of time to really fine tune any of the comedy that was supposed to be really, really kind of slapstick and hilarious with, with my character. I mean, he literally like drops a bunch of stuff and then the whole kitchen like falls apart and then Mary Poppins like waves her wand and then it all like comes back together. And it's all good. You guys and she feeds, yeah, him, they she feeds him the spoonful of sugar and he's like, ah, like, you know, like, yeah. and so I just remember being like, I, being like, I don't feel like I have anything, anything finished. Like by the time we got to tech, I was sort of still figuring it out. Um, but that was a really interesting experience that a lot of these quicker gigs, you don't get like a long rehearsal process. That's it's true. Just... I had like 10 days when I had my first equity contract, 10 days for right. guys involved all from beginning to. Right. And so, and so with that, I think that what I have also like encountered difficulties later on is like we open and then I want to keep trying stuff. Like I want to keep trying new beats. I want to keep figuring it out. And sometimes Sometimes they're like, nope, like we opened, like don't change anything or not change anything, but don't, you know, try to make new discoveries, which is so hard because you're like, but we didn't even have a rehearsal process. It literally was like, okay, you stand here, do it. So, so like, you're like I, I didn't get point, to explore, but okay, that's going to be great. No, I remember at one point I, I got a note where they were like, that's not what we set in the rehearsal room, which I just like made a beat longer or whatever. So, you know, it's just that that's a, that's a different thing. Whereas, whereas with a real show, you get a whole, time to you know try stuff out be like okay that thing didn't work that joke didn't land you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so anyhow so okay. i did that and then we did other shows that summer man of la mancha gypsy the wedding singer and then the following summer i did damn yankees with ryan your husband as well um, I saw, yeah i saw man of la mancha that was good yeah man of la mancha was man of la mancha was a really interesting experience because no one left the stage for the entire show i know so i remember being like i remember being exhausted doing that show because you're so in it the whole time and i think it's a one act so you blink and it's over but you're just like i'm exhausted because you're just so you, you don't go off stage and like kind of forget about what you're doing it right. was non-stop um and that show was it that was an amazing experience because you know working with jackie burns was you know she's such an icon um, i literally i went uh, i kissed so much ass <laughs> I gotta see her I gotta see her as jump on as the understudy for if then. Oh me too. I saw that. So when I when Ryan told me he was working with her, I was like, oh Jackie. She was she was she was amazing. And my funny story about her was that first day of rehearsal, we were staging um I come to Aldonza for love, where basically all the muleteers are just like groping her and touching her and just like all up in her. And like, I'm just like, oh my God, you know, I was, I was trying to be so respectful. And the director literally was like, yeah, just like grab her, just like really grab her. Like really like, he's like he was telling me and some other guy to literally like, he's like, you know, squeeze, squeeze her stuff. And I'm literally like, uh, 
okay. Like I felt. I heard she said something in that though. I was like, just go for it. At one point, she went. She was like, she was like, just grab me, you guys. Just touch me. And then at one point, she was like, that was too hard. Don't touch me that hard. I remember just being like, I remember just being like, okay, I don't know. Right, right. You're like, okay, so like this, like, how do you have that? But you know what? It was a comfortable situation where you could, it was, it was safe. That show was a tricky situation because there's some really intense scenes. I think that you just have to be really clear and, you know, make a safe space. But, um, but so, yeah, it was great. I was lucky that I had like those professional experiences before I moved to New York to just a have something on my resume, but B to be able to have, you know, made a few connections, made a few mistakes, learned, learned kind of what not to do and and uh, just kind of stuff you'll encounter in those fast, quick rehearsal environments. Um, so then about a couple months later, I found myself in final callbacks for the Broadway revival of Miss Saigon um, for a Chris, uh, the understudy for the lead role of Chris. And I, I mean, it was rounds after round. After Great round part for you. Round. And I yeah. remember I thought like, I'm gonna get this. I thought like, this is gonna I would think you would get it. I'd be like, yeah. I was, like, I was like, this is gonna be my Broadway debut and great. And then I remember when I didn't get it, I was just so devastated because I'd never gotten that close before. So I think I had never gotten that that rush of like, yeah. I just did it all for the whole creative team. And like, they they want, they want me. Um, so I remember being really devastated. And then- I have to interrupt here on this yeah. because I've actually, I've talked, I, I know a few people that got to a very close situation with getting cast, a lot of them really didn't stick it out that much longer because the level of disappointed disappointment oh. is very high, very so high hard. at that point. It never, um, so when it you're never saying disappointment, I just wanted to kind of acknowledge that, like, cause it, it's, it can, it, it hurts even more cause you're that close. I don't think it ever gets easier. I really yeah. don't. Like, I think that maybe you, you, what gets easier is your methodology of coping. Um, and your and your ways of kind of being able to recognize your own self-worth outside of that validation. Um, but Ooh. I don't think it ever gets easier. I don't think it ever gets yes. easier. I don't think it ever gets easier like getting down to the end and and really kind of laying it all out there and you know hiring a coach and work you know practicing at nauseum and doing everything you can so that way you can go in the room and just not be nervous and completely freaked out of just like oh god what if you know, I hope this, these people like me, whatever. And then all to just like, then let all of that go for these these lines and these songs that have been kind of in your brain and in your body for however long the period of auditioning is. So that's what's, that's what's always really hard. But I also just always try to say like, you know, if it's, if this is meant to happen, it, it's meant to happen. And if it yeah. doesn't, then something else is. And sure enough, you know, if that show had worked out, then my life wouldn't, have gone in the trajectory that it did. Because then a couple yeah. months later, I uh, booked the world premiere of this musical called Susatska, which ended up being a Toronto flop. Uh, it had the words pre-Broadway on all of the posters. It starred Tony winner, you know, Victoria Clark. Um, it was no small, it was no small endeavor. Um, it was the, wow. the notorious producer of Ragtime. And uh, so it was just, you know, it was no, it was no small thing. It was supposed to be this big spectacle, this big show. Right. And I mean, Judy Kay was in it. Like it was nuts. I remember being like my first job, I'm a swing for this new world premiere musical and I'm living in Canada like for six months. So I truly, 
it was the first time I had ever had to truly live alone, let alone live in a new country and navigate wow. a new city and learn a show that 95% of the cast already knew from doing the workshops in the lab. And I, me and like maybe five people were the only new people. So it was so much to learn. And it was a show that was so specific to like South African history and culture. So I remember they made all the white people learn the Zulu South African dialect chants to sing backstage to like enhance the ensemble when it would be like a, like a more, um, it, it would be a, a, a number that, you know, features the, the black people. And so we, I remember like backstage having to like train myself how to do like Zulu South African click sounds. Like I mean, oh, cool. the most ridiculous thing I ever thought I would have to learn for a first job. And I'm like walking around the street downtown being like, <laughs> people thought I was crazy. So, you know, that was an interesting skill to acquire from that. Um, and then what was crazy was I was a swing and our dance captain tore his ACL right before our first day of tech. So suddenly I found myself in the show for all of tech and for, and I was in the very first preview. I was in the very true world premiere, um, which was hilarious because I think I just didn't anticipate that. And then they spent previews having to rework all of this extra tracking because they didn't have enough swings and it was kind of a mess. And then we opened horrible reviews, ran for two weeks and then closed. So suddenly I'm back in New York feeling completely empty handed from what I thought was going to be my eventual Broadway debut to this thing that, you know, just kind of went nowhere. Um, so I was, you know, I was heartbroken and a little bit felt, I felt empty handed. Like I was like, what did I gain from that experience? Um, but then I got back out there and then I found myself in the finals for the waitress first national tour. And I remember I had to do a final callback for Sarah Bareilles. And it, uh, even though I, I ultimately didn't get it, a guy who got it was older, but I remember being like, oh my God, I, I sang for Sarah Bareilles. Like it still to this day, such a cool memory. And then a month later, I was supposed to go do this kind of small, not, not high quality production of Saturday Night Fever in rural Connecticut. And I was not really excited. I sort of was like, that's not what I want to do. I don't know why I'm doing this. I guess the, I guess the gig and health weeks will be fine. And then I literally arrived in Connecticut to a call from my agent saying I had booked the national tour of Jersey Boys. So I think it's hilarious. Like my bags were packed. Like I had moved out of a sublet. Um, I had all my stuff. I had, was literally like, I mean, I got to Essex, Connecticut, and I was like, not pumped to be there. And then, of course, the universe was like, you're right. You're not meant to be here because you're supposed to, you know, do this show that's ultimately going to change your life. And so I remember I had to, you know, wait until the contract was finalized until I knew whether I could do part of this show and then drop out early or whether it was a no. So I had to go through four days of rehearsal, like pretending I was just like in rehearsal, even though I knew I was about to drop out. Um, so it was quite funny. Uh, and then uh, a month later, started rehearsals for Jersey Boys. And I was the assistant dance captain and swing and standby for Frankie Valley, um, who is the lead role of Jersey Boys. And I went on within the first week of tour. And so when I went on, I was 23 years old, had never carried a musical before. I had never been like a leading, I had never been a leading man. That was never what I, in school, I was always like the song and dance man. Um, so I remember being so nervous. 
Um, I was ready. I was so ready. I was so prepared, but I was very, very nervous. I went on in Richmond, Virginia. The only person in the audience that I knew was my sister who had taken a train from DC. And I remember just like doing it. I remember I, I, I did it and I was prepared. And I remembered like maybe like five minutes of the whole performance, but I remember I did it. And I remember it being like the most crazy magical thing ever uh, because I had just never had to do a role like that in my life. And you truly, you start at age 15 and you end at like age 55 in the show. So it's like the acting range of the show and you're singing song after song after song after song screaming at your friends, screaming at your ex-wife, screaming at your girlfriend, screaming at your daughter, finding out your daughter dies, like crying, then doing another ballad. I mean, it's like, it is, I'm trying to think, it, it's like the hardest role for men in musical theater. It's like the alphaba of male musical theater. Uh, and so- Ooh, that's a good comparison. That's a really yeah, good comparison. I mean, there, yeah. since, then, since then, there have been harder male roles that have come into the business. But at the time, in my mind, I was like, I can't think of anything as hard as this. And what's cool is I saw Jersey Boys with my dad in high school on tour when it came to San Francisco. And I never remember thinking like, that's my role. Like, I'm gonna play that role. Cause I remember thinking like, oh, he's supposed to be really short. Like, I was like, I'm short, but I'm not that short. Um, Cause they used to say Frankie's must be five eight or, sh or shorter. And I'm five nine and a half. So when I got cast as the, as the standby, um, it, like, I think they made it as, and they made an exception. They were like, he can be a little bit taller. <laughs> um, but it was magical because well, not magical, I guess, you know, uh, three months later, the lead, the main guy who was playing Frankie Valley, he sort of broke a tendon in his foot or something very specific happened. And I went from playing the role once a week and then doing my assistant dance captain duties and covering the other two smaller ensemble roles to suddenly playing the role half the week and then switching with the other understudy. And then eventually when we were coming to playing San Jose, which was like 45 minutes from where I grew up in California, they were like, hey Ben, we'd like you to play Frankie Valley the whole week. Like, the, like we'd like you to be the role for the week that we were playing like near my hometown. And I remember I read that email and I just like burst into tears because at that time I had thought I just had one performance that week where I'd already like invited everyone from my hometown. So it was like so crazy to be like, just kidding everybody, like I'm playing it every night. Um, and it was also like towards the end of the run. So it was like, I also had the role in my body. I vocally knew how to get through it. I would say the first nine times I went on for Frankie in Jersey Boys, every show was like <laughs> deathly terrifying. Like I remember just thinking like, can I get through another six songs? Oh my God, I, uh, I thought I was, I was about to crack here. How, what else? Oh, like, you know, it's so, it, it is a marathon. I remember training for it. I had to get on the treadmill and run like three miles every morning, belting Sherry and Big Girls Don't Cry and walk like a man just to get, just to get the stamina. That's smart. That's really smart. Cause when you, if you're out of breath, changing your costume, coming back on, like that is the circumstance. Oh and we had some crew people who were amazing. Like some local crew would be so like on it with, you know, quick changes and handing you your water bottle and props. And then we'd have other places where the crew just like hadn't had no concept. And so it was also like, I had to be able to in an emergency situation, like 
get my own costume changed basically if someone couldn't help me or you know so there was just so much that i always had to be like laser focused um but then towards the end it got kind of fun especially when we started to play pl places where i knew people in the audience i mean it was it was honestly more magical than later on making my broadway debut because it was a role of a lifetime um, but so we finished the tour. I finished the tour as Frankie. I did the last performance of our leg as the role. Um, so, I mean, I left feeling like on top of the world. And then I get back to New York and immediately all of that feeling of pride went away because suddenly I was just back in- You were back in the grind, yeah. We back in audition rooms where no one had seen me do that, where wow. Jersey Boys wasn't like the new show anymore. It had been around since 2000 and so basically I got back to New York and based and and it felt like all of this this growth that I had had that year didn't mean anything so yeah. that was challenging I remember I was going into our rooms really nervous I couldn't I didn't feel like I was doing a good job in auditions for the first I would say maybe like month month and a half of getting back to the city and I remember thinking like oh god because when you're on the road you're not auditioning you're occasionally making a self-tape or you're occasionally you know, flying back for a callback if ne if necessary. But overall, it's you're you're just doing your gig, and it's a blessing and a curse because it's like so nice to kind of forget about the real world and just travel and do your show and have a good time. And your days are yours. Like it, it's like an escape from real life. And then you get back to New York and you're like, oh my god, I haven't had to learn material in like two days, and 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 also balance, you know, making money and uh, all this stuff and classes. So. That took a second to kind of find my groove back into that. And then next thing I knew, I found myself in callbacks for Pretty Woman and then oh. Frozen. And I remember Pretty Woman, they were like, we love him. It's, it's, not, going, it's not going his way. And then for Frozen, it was an understudy situation where this guy in the show had also injured himself. And they needed someone immediately who was 5'9", a good dancer, strong enough to lift a girl over his head, but also funny, but also a high tenor. Like it was one of those things where it was like- It was like written for you. <laughs> it was like the universe was like, hey, like Ben Bogan is perfect for this, even though he doesn't think he is. Because I remember thinking like, oh, like I saw the breakdown and I was like, Olaf understudy. And I was like, in the nicest way possible, it seemed like everyone who sort of played Olaf was just like a little bit more character-y, a, a little bit like more plus-sized, was always the way that it was played by you know, people prior. So I was like, I don't think I'm, I was like, I don't think I'm right for this, but I was just like, whatever. Like, I'm just gonna have fun. I'm just gonna have fun. Um, Cause the other thing was a cover for the Duke of Wesselton, uh, who was like this sassy snivelly Duke who's usually played by a man like well over 45. And so I, I like, I was just like, well, this is probably not for me, but I can just have zero shakes and just learn the material, be off book and whatever. So we did round after round of dance calls. I remember, I think I even pulled my hamstring during the dance call and just like chugged some ibuprofen on the side when it wasn't my group and then went back in, <laughs> danced again. They brought, they like cut half the room. Suddenly they brought in these two ladies and we took turns lifting them over our heads just to see who had the upper body strength. And then suddenly there was like 10 of us left. And um, crazy enough, you know, we had been given the scenes and the songs like a week prior, so I was off book. But my goal was just to sing for the creative team. I was like, if I can just sing for the creative team and do these scenes, then I've done my job. 
because I had another callback that day for a, a role in a regional gig. So I was like already started thinking about the next thing. So yeah. I was just like to the casting director who ironically, you know, produced my showcase and taught me at a summer program when I was 17. So she's known me for a long time. I was like, do you mind if I go first? I have to, I have to get to another callback. And she was like, for what? And I was just like, oh, uh, Henri, an American in Paris, in like North Carolina, South Carolina, something. Then she was like, okay, great, but whatever. So I go in, I sing a song from Cry Baby because I knew that Rob Ashford, the choreographer of Frozen, also choreographed a little musical called Cry Baby. So I thought, well, this is comedic and it shows off the tenor stuff. And I remember I sang that and they laughed. And then I remember I did the Olaf scenes and they laughed. And then I did the Duke scenes and the associate had me say one line like eight different ways. Like he was just like, can you do it again, but make it more like, don't be so aggressive. And I'd be like, sure, okay, and I'd do it again. He'd be like, can you do it again, but 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 still intrigued. And I'd be like, sure, and I'd do it again. He'd be like, okay, he was like, but 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 don't be too condescending. And I'd be like, okay, and I'd do it again. And then he'd be like, but you can still you can still be you know intense. And so it's just like I think he was just trying to see like could he crank, could he break me? <laughs> yeah, um, no, but like, that's just like the fun part is playing. Right, and so I was just like, all right, whatever, 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 and then I leave, yeah. and I was like, nice to meet you all, whatever. I run to the other callback. My brain is dead. I've been dancing all day, and then, of course, it's this long tap callback, and I'm just like, I'm gonna die. Like, I'm doing this tap callback. My brain is just not, like, my my brain's like, you've had a long day. Yeah. And my my agent calls me and says, hey, so um, they want you to come to the theater tomorrow to, like, play with the Olaf puppet. Like that, those were the terms, not like a, a callback, a puppeteering callback, but they were like, they just want, they want you to come to the theater tomorrow to do like a puppeteering session. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, um, do I need to prepare anything? And they were like, nope. <laughs> and I mean, I couldn't even do research. I couldn't even do research the night before because there were, the show was so new. The show had only been on Broadway for six months. So there wasn't any footage of how to maneuver the Olaf puppet. So I really, wow. went, I went into that session blind. <laughs> and so I go in, I go in, it's down to me and one other guy. So I, you know, we're looking at each other and we're like, oh, um, and we're in the basement of the St. James theater. And we have like the rehearsal puppet. Like we don't have the real performance puppet. We have the rehearsal puppet with the dead eyes that don't actually blink. Oh, so hysterical. it's just like, <laughs> we're like, we're maneuvering, we're, you know, your right hand goes in the mouth and the, and controls the mouth. And then your left hand is holding like a pair of tongs that control the arms. And then you're wearing these boots that are connected to his feet. And his like little body is sort of sitting. It's almost as if it's like a little child is standing on your feet and you yeah. control their arms. Like that's the way to think of it. But it really like, it's uncomfortable on your back and it's 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 quite it's quite bizarre. You have to always sort of be in this like bent leg plie. So, you know, the other guy went first. So I just sort of watched and listened and like what, saw what feedback they gave him and you know, what to fix. And they just have you kind of say a few lines and they just wanted to see us improv with the puppet. They just wanted to see like, could we just naturally get it? I mean, it was terrifying. I was like, I've never done this. like. Puppeteering was not part of my BFA degree. And so I just remember being, I just remember being like, okay, you just have to have fun. And as we're doing it, they have this like iPad out and they're videoing us to send to 
the Disney executives and whatever, because I guess we literally needed to know that Monday and it was a Friday. So I remember I did that. I left and they were like, you guys will hear soon. It's going to be one of you. <laughs> we left the building and the guy turns to me and he was like, I think it's yours. And, and I said, you know, I don't know. Uh, who knows? And I remember I worked a, I worked a bat mitzvah party the next day. Up, up, up. <laughs> in like new look i am as we do mm -hmm. i was a dance hype party motivator dj whatever yes like yes i did it. that briefly i did that very briefly yeah yeah so i did that i did that i'm like blowing up balloons and i'm just sitting there thinking like why am i doing this like i'm not meant to do this i just had this feeling i just had this feeling like i wasn't going to be there anymore and i remember the next, or two days later, I had an appointment for Hamilton. Stop, you're crying, and, and go, I'm crying. I hate you. Yeah, and I go, <laughs> I go to the appointment, I go to the appointment for Hamilton, and I was like, that, that went pretty well, I think. And then I leave, and I go home, and I decide to just cook, I decide to cook something because I just needed to just channel my nervous, anxious energy. I had a feeling I was yeah. here. And so I'm like cooking some food. I call my best friend, Tristan. She was Lorraine and Jersey Boys with me. And we always call each other when we're feeling antsy or doubting ourselves or, 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 or just feeling like, you know, whatever. We just need a pep talk. Yeah. I call, I call her and I'm like, I don't know. I feel like this is gonna, be, I feel like the job's mine, but I'm not like, you know, it's just like, ugh. And as I'm talking to her on the phone, <laughs> I get a call from my agent. And I was just like, I have to go. <laughs> I'm just like, hello. And my agent says, hey, how are you? And I said, I'm pretty exhausted. I am in training for two survival jobs at the same time right now. And she said, well, you won't have to work there anymore. And I remember I could have dropped the frying pan in that moment. I couldn't believe that she had actually said that. I was just like, because this wasn't it, this wasn't like a know about the job and start in six months and work and figure no, out. No, it's immediate. It was immediate. like a, you're starting in four days. And so I just, I just remember being so flabbergasted because Jersey Boys had not asked me back. Jersey Boys had not asked me to go do the tour again. And I remember being really bummed and devastated and like kind of, insulted because I thought I had done such a good job. I'd gone on for Frankie like 50 times. So I thought, oh my God, well, at least they'll ask me to come back. And I was not asked back to do the tour again. They were like, you're just a little too young. So I remember, I remember having this, 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 you know, I lit this fuse under me thinking like, well, I'm going to get something else. And so I remember I felt so antsy to like get something else because I felt of course. Like, it, that I, you know, this sh this job that I thought I had done a great job on didn't ask me to continue. So it just felt like the universe, it was just one of those moments where the universe was like, you weren't meant to do that show again for another year. Wow. Because you were meant to do something else. So I just truly know that anytime the universe has presented me with a rejection or a struggle, there's always something, there's always something that comes with it. And I have the hardest time seeing it in the present moment. And then later on, I go like, nah, that's why. Uh, so uh, it was crazy. So I, I, I started I started in Frozen. I had three weeks to learn three different roles. 
Um, and I made my de I made my Broadway debut the week of my 25th birthday. And I did my first Sunday matinee of Frozen on my 25th birthday. And I remember being so tired. I've never been so tired in my life. Um, but I also just remember being like, this is not, this is not every day that something like this happens. And so I really just tried to be as present as I could, but I also definitely, as the run got along and I started to get comfortable with my track, I started to micro analyze like things I was doing wrong because I was there substituting for someone who was ultimately coming back. So I spent a lot of time being like, oh, uh, I got that lift wrong and now my partner's probably piss at me and uh, how can I do it better? Like I, I was trying to keep myself, you know, working hard that I sometimes started to kind of drive myself crazy uh, uh, thinking that I was doing a like a worse job than I was doing. Yeah. Which happens. You put, you were pro you're putting pressure on yourself a lot. Right. Which yeah. happens because when you do eight shows a week, if you don't sort of fixate on something, it all feels so monotonous. Like you start to just actually not remember what day of the week it is. On tour, you're mm -hmm. like, well, now we're in Florida. Well, now we're in Michigan. Well, now we're in Canada. Like nothing is ever the same. The theater is different. The food is different. The hotel is different. The experiences are different. But on Broadway, it's like, we could have done a show on a Tuesday and we could have done a show on a Sunday. And I like, couldn't tell you what day of the week it was. I couldn't tell you one show from the other, especially because I also was just, a, it was so weird to go from Jersey Boys where I was expected to be such a huge part of the show going- Carry a show. To, I mean, that's truly huge. That's so huge, right? yeah. And Frozen, yeah. Frozen, I was like townsperson number seven, doing a yeah. lot, changing a lot of costumes, you know, sweating my, sweating my ass off, dancing and all that stuff. but it was not using the same type of brain power mm -hmm. because I was not ever expected to have a single like speaking line or, you know, it, right. my voice, my voice was never singled out. Yeah. So that was so strange to kind of go for, to, to be doing this thing that seems like the thing that I had thought about my entire life and to realize that I actually felt a little bit more empty as a, as an individual artist um, doing that kind of thing. Isn't so, that discovery amazing? I, I, I'm, I'm uh, just because of time, we're running out of time. Yeah. I would like just to get to reflective. If you could sure. describe in just a couple sentences your big picture things from that, which you are heading towards, but I want to do it in a more conclusive manner yeah. need to come to an end about your experience of finally getting into Frozen. Please do so now. Yeah, um, what I will say is that I think just because something's Broadway doesn't mean it's going to be the above all end all experience of your life. It may be the highest paycheck you receive and it may be like, it may be when you get to work with your heroes or work with the people that you idolize. Um, but I went through so much personal crap during Frozen. I was encountering really bad anxiety like I would get to the theater and my heartbeat would just be racing and it, I would get, I would like, it, it was, it was just, I had never put my body through that kind of thing before. Yeah. I mean, you're, I was climbing hundreds of stairs up to my dressing room, down to the quick change booth on stage. So I remember people being like, Oh my God, are you, are you living? Like you must be living the dream right now. And I remember being like, I'm so, I'm so tired that I can't walk to the CVS right now. Like, I feel mm. like I could collapse because I was 
giving a hundred percent every night. And then I remember five weeks in being like, I can't move my body. I couldn't, I, I needed time to figure out how to kind of have life and then have your show. I think I was just like, well, I'm doing my show and that's all I need to do. But it was amazing how I started to lose, I started to lose myself a little bit in just that, the repetitiveness of eight shows a week. So what I will say is, even when you're doing eight shows a week, you still have to be going to the gym, going to class, you know, seeing those friends who inspire you, writing your own stuff. Like you still have to kind of keep that creative part of your brain going. Otherwise your show, even if it is the greatest show ever, will eventually torture you because, mm. because eventually you go on such autopilot that it's not this new, exciting, fresh thing that you're creating. It's really you actually, you're expected to maintain a product. I love and, that. And I Frozen, that. I was getting notes. I mean, as an ensemble member, I was getting notes every day being like, um, so make sure you're not turning too fast to this person in this crowd scene. Like, I mean, they just would get as picky as they wanted to the point where I went, I don't even know how to be a creative, like a unique individual in this yeah. experience. And you need, and, and so it's like, always make sure you're getting that outlet that you need as an artist. Yeah, I love and, that. Yeah, and I would come out of the stage door for Frozen and no one would know who I am. They would be like, were you in it? And I, it would, it's a little bit like, Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, have a night. You know what I mean? There's always that occasional person who loves the ensemble members and loves the dancers and wants their autograph from the dancers. And those moments are always sweet. And the one yeah. the one time I went on for the Duke, I got to make my principal Broadway debut in Frozen. That was single-handedly the most magical day and the single-handedly most horrific day of my life because I was fighting a horrible flu. <laughs> and I could barely phonate, speak, do anything. Yeah. And it was my last week in the show, or so I wow. thought. I didn't know that I was going to be brought back in a different track like a month later. But at the time, right, I was right. like, it's my last week. This is my only shot. I was yeah. on a cough syrup. I was on a inhaler. I was on a antibiotic. I was on a, you know, a steroid. Piling. Like, I, I called my mom just like sobbing. And I was just like, mom, I don't think I can do this. And then my mom was like, you just chug some motherfucking tea and you do it. And I remember my Duke of Wesselton sounded like a chain smoker because I was just like, speaking was difficult, but it's the one and only time where I got to speak and do a scene on a Broadway stage. So it's mm -hmm. actually been very weird to look back and think my one and only time where I got to do that thing, I was so in my head and worried about like, hacking up a lung and, you know, <laughs> so it wasn't like, ah, enjoyable. Yeah. It was still enjoyable because I, you know, I still had fun and was like, you have to embrace this moment no matter how shitty you feel. Yeah. But I think that's the thing that really, really has tested me is that the fact that the business does not care about you. Yeah. Like, you got to take care not... of yourself. Right. Yeah. You... Right. You got to take care of yourself. We have to conclude because I got to do some workout stuff. But this is, you guys, if you want to connect with Ben more because he is just a gem to talk to and a clear, just, I just love your openness about your journey. It's amazing. Where can people find you on social media? Um, you can find me on social media um, at B-E-N-M Bogan. M is for my middle name, Michael. So it's just Ben M Bogan, B-O-G-E-N. Pretty easy to remember. Just think my first name, middle initial, last name. Um, 
Yeah, and I also coach young musical theater performers and artists uh, and students um, through Artists and Beyond. So if you go to artistsandbeyond.com, you can request to do a virtual Zoom coaching with me where we can work on song rep, monologue, college audition stuff, scene work, audition I prep, whatever, whatever you want to work on, public speaking. I literally helped someone with their public speaking thing that they had to work on for their normal muggle job. So like truly, <laughs> I do perfect. It so, I love yeah. it. Oh my God, you guys, please hit him up. He is a person to know. Thank you, Ben, so much for coming on. You are just a superb human. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.